You know all this difficulty that you see around you, the environment that makes your work life so difficult, the stressors that you f have coming at you all the time? It's all in your head. Welcome to ROSC episode seven. The concept of today's talk is going to be the fact that neurons that fire together, wire together. Now, before you turn everything off, because I just said that everything that you're experiencing is in your head, bear with me, and we're going to go through that a little bit. Near the end of last week's podcast, I mentioned something that popped into my mind at the moment, and that was the idea of looking at everything through a window pane. The idea that instead of internalizing things that come at you like a sponge, let things pass in front of you with the barrier of a window between you and that thing. And what that allows you to do is evaluate that thing, evaluate that thought, evaluate that criticism. This is also the concept that surrounds mindful meditation, the ability for you to slow down and allow thoughts to pass almost consciously and allowing that thought to come in front of you for you to analyze it and allow it to drop away in that moment, letting them pass like clouds. This is a little bit more active than that because meditation teaches you to be able to clear your mind and focus without letting distractors take your mind in a different direction. In this case, what we're doing is taking those thoughts or those words or those criticisms or whatever it is come in front of us and evaluate them and allow ourselves to control whether we open the window or not. With regards to neurons that fire together, wire together, let's back up a little bit more and talk about something that speaker Jim Quick talks about. And that is that your mind is constantly eavesdropping on the words you say. I don't know if you've ever experienced the self-fulfilling prophecy, but personally, that never made any sense to me. I didn't understand how me thinking something's going to happen would actually cause things to happen externally. It didn't make any sense. But then I tried a little bit of an experiment. I tend to be very, very negative, and I tend to think the worst, and I'm very neurotic in that way. And the problem is, whenever I work myself up thinking that something bad might happen, I can't get anything done. And so things go on hold until that issue is passed. And once it passes, which it usually passes, not being as bad as I thought it was, I can then move on to the next problem. And then I'm just never productive. You probably have experienced this as well. But when you have that one time where you were thinking something negative and that thing did happen, you freak out because you're like, first of all, I was right. Secondly, how did I know that was going to happen? That means the next time I think it's going to happen too. And then it's just, it's a vicious cycle. So what I tried was for about a week, I wrote down every concerning negative thought that I had in terms of a bad outcome that would potentially happen. I wrote those down. And then when the outcome occurred, I would write down the outcome and I would compare how it fit with what I expected to happen. And then I counted the number of times it happened the way I thought it would, i.e. negatively. It ended up being not as much, spoiler alert. It ended up not being that frequent. But there's something in our brains called the reticular activating system. That's basically our attention center to boil it down. It's the thing that causes you to see the car that you intend on buying everywhere on the road once you've decided to buy it. As hard as it is to understand like how, pro how prominent that ends up happening, your attention center just goes towards what you pay attention to. And the brain loves efficiency. And contrary to what we used to think about the brain, the brain is constantly making and degrading neurons, pathways. And the thing that it loves to do is make pathways more efficient. Because neurons that fire together, wire together. 
Now think about it. You might be 20 years old, 30 years old, 50, 60, 70 years old, however many years old you are. That's how many years your brain has taken to wire the neurons that have been firing together. Now pause with that thought for a second and we'll come back to it. This concept and practice of having a window pane between you and the thought that's coming your way. The concept of this is generally talked about by psychotherapist and author Lori Gottlieb, who talks about this idea that no one is obligating you to internalize the criticism that comes your way. It's up to you to bring that into your life. And when you bring that into your life, how you bring it in, how you spin it to yourself, how you perceive it is going to be how you give energy to that thought. And when you give that energy to that thought in that way, your brain is now prepared the next time it happens, just like an allergic reaction, just like the first time you get exposed to an allergen, you have a certain reaction. The next time it's even worse. It's kind of the same thing. Your brain is looking for efficiencies and it always looks for patterns. It looks for recognition. It looks for familiarity. When you associate a particular feeling to that thing, whether it's an unexpected resuscitation or it's an expected interaction with a colleague, a superior, a consultant, another unit, whoever it might be, when you have the preparation for that interaction, the way your neurons fired together are how they're going to wire together when you deal with that interaction. But here's the thing. Even though it's completely remapping the circuitry, if you focus your attention, your reticular activating system, on another energy in that interaction, if you start to focus on the positives, on the optimism, on the thing that will actually benefit you, if you focus on something that makes you an empath, an action that makes you say, I practiced empathy in that moment, it'll still be difficult because you're working with years or even decades of wiring against a single event, but you've just given an opportunity for your brain to have another choice to approach that situation in a different way. And then consciously, when you do, do it the next time, when you choose to do that the next time, you've now given a little bit more energy and a little bit more and a little bit more until that becomes wired. This is why so many of us feel a natural inclination to be pessimistic. I don't know about you, but when I started to consciously make the effort I noticed that my mornings always started on a wrong foot because the first thought I had when I woke up in the morning was negative. It was about what I needed to tackle that day, about what I didn't accomplish the day before, about how today is going to be not as productive as I intended to be and all these things. There are many days, especially when I'm so inundated with work, where I'm getting up in the morning and my first conversation with myself is Something I mentioned in, I think, the first or second podcast, which was rehearsing a negative interaction that I may or may not even have with someone and going through it again and again and again and thinking about all the areas where I was wronged and I didn't think of the right thing to say and all, all of this negativity that comes into my brain as soon as I wake up. And the problem is because neurons that fire together, wire together, the next time I wake up, that's what, that's the norm. That's what's loaded when I wake up in the morning. Someone once told me, when you wake up in the morning, literally wake up, force a smile on your face. I know you're probably vomiting in your mouth already. Force a smile on your face and say, be happy. Choose to be happy. I tried that and it's very difficult to explain the effect that it has, but it's a positive effect. 
it actually forces your attention center towards things that do make you happy. Some people choose a song. Some people choose a motivational speaker to listen to. Some people choose the sounds of nature or rain or whatever it might be to put them in that place. But that's the thing. Even past environments, past situations, there is a sentiment and a feeling associated with those incidents. Sometimes it can be negative. Sometimes it can be positive. The thing is, the brain can't distinguish the difference between an imagined event and something that actually happened. That's why you can wake up from a dream in a cold sweat. Or why you can get yourself riled up when thinking about an argument. Your brain has a lot of power to do that. Which is why mental simulation in the world of medicine and in the world of many other things has an effect. People have won gold medals in tactical events by mentally simulating and practicing in their mind. That's documented. Your brain has the ability to render a feeling as if the situation is actually happening. And if you do that, your attention center will start to create a path for that thought. And eventually it becomes efficient enough because neurons that fired together wired together. And if we think of all that in the context of your mind is constantly eavesdropping on the words you say, because when you say them, your brain is able to render a situation and you see the loop that's occurring now, while it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of consistency and days and days and days and days of making this happen to override the decades of wiring that you already have, it's a possibility. It exists. If you're down in the dumps and you're in the worst situation possible and you can't find a way out and someone tells you with sincerity, you could turn this around. There's hope. You could completely go 180. Don't you wish, don't you hope that that's true? It is. This is why visualization, why it has a place. It's not the sole answer because ultimately it needs action. It needs you to make the change. Like you need to be able to visualize the direction you're going to go, but then you need to go in that direction. You need to make that change. You need to make the effort. And this is where the practice comes in. This is where doing it when you don't want to comes in because motivation, as we established in the past, is complete nonsense. It's not motivation that you need. It's action that you need. You need input to get an output and what input you provide will give you the output. And as you return that output again and again, those neurons that fired together are going to wire together. So whether you're in a situation where part of your clinical practice is suffering because you just keep making the same mistake or you keep forgetting that one thing or you're not as adept at something as you wish you were. Perhaps you want to be a better code leader. Perhaps you want to be a better resuscitationist. Perhaps you want to be a better practitioner in whatever it might be. Or perhaps you're tired of seeing a particular consultant or administrator or colleague and immediately going down the path of here we go again. If any of that sounds exhausting to you and you want to take the lead in yourself and make the change, here is part of the answer. Where you focus your attention is up to you. Your mind will constantly eavesdrop on the words you say. It'll focus your attention in that direction. And if you do it again, which you will, because your brain will look for familiarity, it becomes more efficient. And those neurons that fire together will then wire together. Tell me what you think of all of this. Tell me how this affects you. Tell me the questions that you have, the feedback that you have. Send them in at podcast at rosk.life. The emails in the show notes, send in an email, tell me what you think, tell me what your questions are, 
I will address them here anonymously if you want, but I'll address them here if I can. We'll have a conversation. We'll have some form of a dialogue, even though this is a recorded podcast. Let's get involved. Let's create that community. Let's get people together to give the oncoming generations another option, another path, another place to put their attention so that their neurons can be wired the way perhaps they ought to be. We'll see you next time.